Hey, I'm Gina Keeping, ex-classroom teacher turned mindset and business mentor. Not too long ago, overwhelm and stress was my norm. Now, I have created a life where I help entrepreneurial women create an unstoppable mindset and teach them how to grow and scale their own businesses, all while getting their own gifts out into the world and creating an impact. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast where each week I bring you an inspiring person or message where we talk about all things life and business related, where our conversations are real, the information is inspiring, we have a splash of fun, we have lots of laughs, and we dive into life lessons and deep conversations about all the things. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello there, welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Real. Today, I interview Dr. Erin Woolridge, and boy oh boy, does she share some gold nuggets. We talk about a lot in this episode, but one of the things she really dives into is how to be true to yourself and really ride that wave of finding your passion. We all know that there's bumps in the road as we navigate our desires, and we really dive into what that looks like and how you can stay true to your path. We also talk about naturopathic medicine and how it really has an impact on anxiety and depression and how we show up every single day. We talk about so many other things, but you're going to have to listen to the full episode to hear all the goodness that she shares. All right, let's dive in. Welcome, 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 Erin Woolridge. I am super excited to have you to the show. Welcome. Wow, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's an absolute honor. Oh my goodness. Well, it's just, I can't believe how we met. And I know um, we're going to talk about that later, but that was such a cool experience. But before we dive into all of that fun stuff, can you just take a moment and tell our listeners who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Erin. I'm a naturopathic doctor and I was born and raised here in St. John's. Um, I kind of bounced around Eastern Canada for the better part of the past 10 years and COVID <laughs> sent me home, but I'm so, so happy to be here. Um, it's amazing to be back. Uh, I'm pretty avid hiker. So it's been, that's what's been filling my free time over the past year. Um, avid gardener, plant mom, former sociologist, you name it. I've done so many things in the past little bit to get here. So. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I love all the different pieces of your story. And we're going to talk about them as we go through. But you haven't always been a naturopathic doctor and your plan, I'm doing air quotes, was not was not to come back to Newfoundland, was it? No, absolutely. It wasn't. Um, I mean, when I I guess I did not want to always be a doctor at all. Uh, And it wasn't really something that I was ever super interested in. I had no scientific background whatsoever. Um, I was a smart kid. It was just, you know, the education system. If I had known what I knew now about science and how integral it was to like our literal existence and experience, I think it would have been a little bit different, but yeah, I, uh, I was actually, I have, I have a background in sociology and psychology. Um, and so I was working in child youth care with child youth family services, uh, bounced off to Montreal for a bit and worked in music journalism. Uh, and I, uh, I got really, really sick about 10 years ago or so. And 
Uh, I was in the middle of doing my sociology degree at Mun. I was in my last year and I just got so sick. Like my body was not keeping any food in whatsoever. And we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And of course it took forever to get me in to see a specialist. Um, and so by the time that I was able to get in, I was like, I had dropped down like below 90 pounds. I was super, super unwell. Uh, and on top of that too, like I had an insane course load. I was working overnight. Um, also trying to keep up with a crazy social life and not an amazing relationship. So I think it was kind of like only a matter of time before everything on the inside crumbled. So after I graduated, we bounced off to Montreal because it had rained for the entire previous summer and I was not doing that again. (laughs) So we bounced off to Montreal and I started doing a bunch of things. I worked in a daycare. Um, I worked for the F1 for a little bit. Uh, Also worked in music journalism, which was like beyond insanely cool. Uh, And then we ended up coming back to Newfoundland and I was starting my courses for my master's in sociology and I was at a career fair and I was looking for one booth and I had found another and it ended up being the school that I went to. And I'm just there like, what, like, what do you mean that I can actually do this? What? Okay, cool. Cause it wasn't until I was in Montreal that I had actually gotten to see a naturopath. Um, this is like a good 10 plus years ago. So it wasn't super common here yet. And it wasn't like until somebody in Montreal had mentioned it to me, like, Oh wow. Like you have Crohn's disease. You should see, you should see a, a naturopath. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's a good idea. I didn't even know that that was like a thing. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I mean, like, this is like no shade at my GP because she was absolutely incredible throughout the entire process. But the specialist who I had seen, he looked at me and kind of told me like after my diagnosis, despite how well I was responding to treatment, he kind of told me that like, I was never going to be well again, that it didn't matter like what I did. It didn't matter what I ate. He just like straight up told me, he's like, you are always going to be this sick and like, that's it. And I was like, well, I was 22, 23. It felt like an absolute death sentence. And I kind of had always struggled a little bit with like depression and anxiety. Um, And so it was just kind of very clear that this kind of stuff was starting to take a physical effect, but I still hadn't really like fully figured it out. So it was all I was in Montreal that I started seeing a naturopath. I developed like a super serious yoga practice. Um, I had access to like all these fruits and veggies on every street corner. So like my diet completely changed. Like my life had changed. Like some elements still weren't totally perfect. So I came back and I was at this career fair and I see CCNM's. um, That's the college I went to, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. And I just see it there and I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta do this. So, uh, I kind of like, I brought it up to everybody a bunch and I think everyone's like, Hey girl. And my partner at the time was just like, no, we cannot move again. You cannot do another degree. Like we need to draw the line somewhere. So we split up. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. (laughs) We split up and then I kept like, I was just like more and more obsessed and I couldn't explain it because like I had no background in science and like, it wasn't really like the picture perfect of like naturopathy and like, I don't still claim to be, Um, but it just, I became like completely obsessed. I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. 
And so I was really lucky. I had an opportunity to go to Toronto shortly after everything. Just like when that breakup, my life just, and something, something had to give, right? Like, so I just went, I checked out the school and like, I was lucky to check it out with my family and we were all there and we were just like, I still can't explain the feeling. Um, it was just so absolutely incredible just to walk in and it felt like we, I was supposed to be there. So yeah, I packed up, moved to Toronto, um, definitely hit some really intense curveballs. Uh, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I, you know, I worked like three jobs at a time, um, between like bartending, yoga studios, being a server, working as a barista, walking dogs, doing like music stuff. It was absolute madness. So yeah, I, uh, I got to my internship and I was so thankful, so lucky. I got to work with, um, the mental health rotation, um, or sorry, the mental health focus shift. And so that's where we got to treat like really complex mental health disorders, uh, with orthomolecular psychiatry, which basically is using molecules, nutrients that are already present in the human body to treat like mental symptoms. That's fascinating. Sorry. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's super. Oh my God. It is so cool. It is the coolest thing. Um, and I also had the amazing opportunity of doing my, um, my locum shift at the Anishinaabe Health Toronto, which is the indigenous healthcare center. And I would not be the doctor I am today without their trust or just like their history, medicine in general, I think, you know, given everything wow. that's going on in our Canadian history, um, I really think it's important to acknowledge just what was given to me through that experience. It was a very amazing, sacred experience. So, wow. Yeah. My goodness. There's so many parts of that story that I kind of want to dissect. <laughs> <laughs> we could just talk about your story for the whole podcast. Um, but there, yeah. and one thing that really pops out to me that you, like you said, you've had many roadblocks. There are many things that could have stopped you in your tracks of going for what you want, but you had this feeling you had this, I'm going to do air quotes again, intuition, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So if there's somebody listening who was like, I had this calling, I'm scared shitless. I don't know how to take the steps. How do I trust in what I'm supposed to do? And how can I let that be the compass to lead me and not my fears, my judgments, my conditioning? The big yeah. question. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's such a, that's a huge question. But I don't know. For me, it's like that feeling that you get when like you just you want something and you know you're not working for it. And there's this like really big incongruency that's like between what you want and what you're doing. And so if you let that fair win, it's that incongruency that takes over and it eats away at you. And uh, I like I hate not knowing. So I like to turn all over the turn over all the stones and make sure that like I'm making the right choice. And it's probably why I've been like bouncing around, moving around so much. Um, and, you know, it does require a certain level of tenacity to push past all of the noise and to really like to live that truth, to be your authentic self. Um, and the kind of society we live in, it does not leave any room to cultivate any of that. So I don't know. I think it's just about starting small and integrating little things about what you want for yourself into your life. And then those changes, they just kind of slowly build on each other because they speak for themselves. 
um, whether it's like health changes, uh, whether it's just changes in a, your lifestyle, little things make the biggest difference. And, you know, it's one of the things I'm always driving home with my patients. It takes a lot of courage to make these changes. Um, and a lot of people are going to tell you no, but you, uh, you have to push past that. And really, if it feels, if it just like, if it feels right to you, if there's that just feeling, just go for it. Ooh, I love that. And I love that you brought up courage because sometimes when people are pursuing their dreams and going for the thing, some people might think it's easy for them or, you know, oh, they have different things going for them. So that's why they can do it. But man, it's sheer courage. It's like trusting yourself, trusting that feeling. And like you said, just taking the small steps each day. So if there's somebody listening right now who is, I have this thing in my heart, like just have the courage to go for it. Absolutely. And it's like too, when you take those little tiny steps towards what you want, even like always be investing in that goal. And that doesn't have to mean financially. That just means like what you're surrounding yourself with, the media that's in your ears, the media that's in your eyeballs, the people who you're with, the food that you're eating. It's all that kind of stuff. And every single change that you make shifts your vibration in such a way that you see these opportunities around you. They were always there. It's just because you're shifting your own vibration to match that, they become more apparent to you. And it's just, it's making those tiny steps that allow you to do that. Yeah. And I love that you brought in what you're ingesting too, because a lot of people don't give what we put into our bodies enough credit. And I know we both know the power of food for mental health, but for those people who are listening and are like, oh, okay, you got me intrigued. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I need to watch what I'm putting into my body and not from a, oh, how it looks kind of thing, but fueling your body and your brain and we're all connected. What are some tips you can give to our listeners to maybe start that process of raising their vibration, we'll say, through the food that they ingest? Oh, wow. What a a huge question. Um, Again, you know, start small. Uh, In Newfoundland here, we haven't exactly been conditioned to have the best diets. And like, I wasn't always on a super, it took me getting sick to realize that I couldn't live on chicken nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And listen, sometimes I still love a good chicken nugget. Of course, of course. (laughs) But it's about making choices that you know is going to be beneficial for you and your health in the long run. It's about like, and this just goes the same for food as it does everything else. Unfortunately, a lot of our soils and whatnot are deficient in so many of the nutrients things are getting milled out in the processing process. So we're missing a lot of vitamins. We're missing a lot of nutrients. And when I say like most of us are deficient in something, it's no fault of our own. It's just not because we don't have a good diet, but it's literally because we live this way that doesn't allow us. So there's so many different things that will impact our, like our general gut absorption um, that will lead to a lot of those issues. So whether or not you're actually being able to absorb the minerals and vitamins that you are eating. And there's a lot of research that points to the fact that like, say for example, a deficiency in vitamin B3 or niacin, um, that was called pellagra, for example. And what they started noticing was that when they were supplementing vitamin B3, um, it actually 
had impacts on the positive uh, symptoms of schizophrenia, which were similar to the psychiatric presentation of pellagra. So what we ended up seeing was that anxiety, schizophrenia, um, things that are like really, really, when the brain is in super overdrive, if we're giving high dose vitamins and minerals, um, like symptomatically speaking, then we can actually potentially, not saying always, but potentially reverse some of those symptoms. So like the same can be said for a lot of other things, but it also does contribute to the fact that like what we eat impacts as well, like our microbiome. And so these are like all the little bugs and all the friends that live in your gut. And we need a variety of those. So you could have potentially like lots of bacteria, but maybe too much of one kind. And that, of course, you know what, that even impacts your cravings. And what's really fascinating here is 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut by our bacteria. So like we all, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So for those people who don't know, serotonin is like your happy chemical. So the thing, right. The chemical that makes you feel joy and happiness. What? That comes from your gut? I didn't know that. Yeah. So all this stuff is manufactured right in your gut. And then of course you've got the issue too, as well. If you've got a dysfunctional microbiome um, and you're eating lots of inflammatory stuff, then like you've got Uh, You've got cells in your gut that are supposed to be, you know, super tight. And then over time, they get injured, right? And so they kind of get split apart, causing all of our food molecules that we're eating to leak into what's the interior cavity of our body. So then that gets to a threshold and sets off a massive immune response. So depending on what your, you know, personal body's tendencies are. So for me, I know right away that like when my gut is bad, my mental health is bad. And that's like, that's a big thing. Some people I see it with like joint pain. Um, your microbiome also impacts how we metabolize our estrogen as well. So you can see diet having a massive impact on periods. Literally just about everything I've been able to see some sort of change with reducing inflammation through diet. Because a lot of times people will come to you with like, you know, say ADHD, anxiety, a lot of like really, really racing brain stuff. And then you kind of get down to the root of it. You look at their diet and you look at how they've been living. And of course, then we got to add in cortisol, the stress hormone, which borks the rest of that up. It impacts your glucose, um, your glucose regulation, which of course leads to more inflammation, higher risks of heart disease. So you can really see how all of this stuff is really tying in together. And when you're getting to the bottom of like, the stuff you're looking at your patient, well, it's like, well, I don't think that there's an actual full neurotransmitter issue for, I think that it may be an inflammation issue that may be driving the neurotransmitter dysfunction. That is fascinating because I think for so long, food has been associated more so with physical health, you know, so you eat better, you eat better food, physically, you look better. You know me, and I know you You can feel the same way here, but we are very passionate about mental health and about yeah. the connection to the food. So it's fascinating because a lot of this I didn't know, and I'm like a geek when it comes to this stuff. So this is wicked. It's once again, that extra layer of why fueling our body is so important, not just for the physical, but for that mental piece. And to kind of tie it all around with a nice pretty bow, if you are working on your goals and trying to do scary shit and trying to be courageous, but your mental health is being impacted by the food that you're eating, 
you're in this cycle of really self-sabotage once again, and level even deeper than just the mental piece. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the other thing too. It's a kind of a catch 22, because when you're dealing with a lot of mental health, you also see a high amount of executive dysfunction as well. So it's like, am I eating poorly because my mental health is poor? Is my mental health poor because I'm eating poorly? Right. So it is a cycle that ties into itself. And that's why I feel like discussing mindset and the power of having that, like just building on your, building up your own mindset to create that stability and to give yourself like the confidence to be able to make the changes you see a lot of women in like caregiving positions who will come in and they're like, oh, I'm receiving a lot of blowback from my family when I try and make these changes. I'm like, well, you have to draw a boundary or you have to talk to them about integrating that into their lives too, because ultimately isn't just your health. When we look at changing these things, we're looking at everybody's health because everybody could benefit from these changes. So it's a lot of too, like working with the mindset to know that they have the courage to work hard and commit every single day to living a healthier and better life for themselves, for their families and everybody else that they're caregiving for. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And just making that connection of, yeah, it's not just about you. It's a family. It's your children. And as we both know, like mental health is on the rise across the board, children, adults. And a lot of people are not eating healthy because they're stressed. They're overworked, you know, and once again, all these systemic problems. And I'm not sure if you can speak on this, but what's your thoughts on emotional eating? Like I deal with a lot of clients who that's one of the biggest things that they go to. It's their escapism. It's their thing where they go to it to have that control because maybe they don't have control in other areas. Do you have any tips for listeners who may go to food as that escapism? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Uh, the way I like to look at it, and there's um, really, really fantastic work um, by Dr. Gabor Mate. I think most of anybody listening here is familiar, but he does talk a lot about addiction in the sense of like, um, you know, trauma and that, you know, that drive to, do- to get dopamine, that drive to get some level of comfort. And so I think that we have to look at, first of all, we have to humanize the nature of addictions because honestly, a food addiction runs the same pathways as a drug addiction, runs the same pathways as a shopping addiction, as binge watching on Netflix. If you look at the definition of addiction in the DSM, you'll really see that all of us in some way or another are addicted to something. So having compassion for yourself in that space and recognizing that it's not just a solo experience, but a lot of people struggle with trying to find this comfort. I mean, I know myself, I can get, I I had a pint of ice cream on hand for the game last night, just in case. (laughs) So, I mean, sometimes it's not always a horrible thing, um, but just to be kind and mindful. And to really kind of closely examine the things that you're trying to cover up and what does that, what does that look like? What does that emptiness mean to you? And what, uh, what other ways can you do to fulfill that void? I love that. And I love that you said we need to normalize addiction because it really does get a bad rap. And once again, it's in the mental health realm and we do need to start looking at these things differently. 
And we have to be having the conversations, just like you said, about understanding the brain and how it works. We are so compassionate for every other bone, muscle, joint below the chin down. Even our ears get, you know, more satisfaction or more um, love, I guess, than our actual brains. And our brain is the thing that drives everything. So I don't understand why we can be so compassionate with everything else, but we skip the piece that makes us us, you know? Absolutely. You, you nailed it. I could not say like, we literally show compassion for so many other people, things, everything else in our body. And it's starting to get a little bit more accepted to take a mental health day, but, um, it's not really like we say that we're like taking a mental health day, but like, we'll say that to our friends on social media, but we probably won't say it to our boss. 100%. Oh God, you're going to get me all fired up now. (laughs) And I, I really have a problem with how, and yes, I know we're getting better. And yes, I know what we're making steps, but I still feel that the steps that we are making are just to check a box and to cover up this issue and say, Oh yeah, I'm doing my part. I truly feel that the way that we're living is not set up to support our mental health. And as long as we are being driven by money and by output and by working people to the death, like we, we have to stop using this terminology. We have to break free of this mold of a five-day work week, nine to five, work your ass off. Like as long as we are trying to live in that world, I feel our mental health will never truly be better. Oh, and you're so right. And like, that's actually pretty much what I did. So I was actually offered a residency after graduation. I was supposed to be going to Halifax and just, I mean, travel restrictions kept like happening and training and whatnot. But eventually I just kind of was like, I woke up one day and I was like, uh, if I do this, like I'm going to be like Monday to Friday, like nine to five, like But more than that, like we say nine to five, but the average person, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, this is just my opinion, but the average person don't leave work at work at five o'clock. How many people are still checking their email? How many people are still thinking about maybe a situation that happened at work? Like we say nine to five, but we are living to work, not working to live. And I feel like it's getting worse and people's expectations are getting worse. And we're just blanketing with, oh yeah, well, I'm looking after mental health of my staff. No, no, you're not. Yeah, no, you absolutely nailed it. Everything is getting, like, it is getting worse and we're starting to get a little bit more accepting. But like, if you look at like the suicide rate, so kids are getting younger and they're getting younger and it's because we're not fostering just this idea of self-care, self-pleasure, taking the best care of yourself that you possibly can. We're driven to be like working in this. We're driven to be cogs in a machine and it ain't right. And it stops. And that's what's stopping us from like achieving and fully like really embodying our own humanity. And that's, what's like preventing us from making things a little bit brighter around here, I think. Yes. But you know what? Like even Even the thought, some people, when they are being bright, like how many people don't know what to do with that brightness and that light and they just want to dim it. I just feel that there is so much dimming happening that when somebody does shine, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, how dare you shine kind of thing. And I just did a post earlier before I popped on this and it was about having fun. 
Like as adults, we lose our fun. We get so freaking serious. We take ourselves so serious. We take work so serious. We put ourselves in this idea of that we can't have fun. We can't, the only time we can have fun is on the weekends. We let our guard down the weekends and then we put it right back up, start Monday. We get back in the rat race. But man, we are missing out on so many opportunities of joy, of fun, of love. It really upsets me. (laughs) Yeah. And you're so right. Like we need to take life just like a little bit less seriously. We need to embrace more kindness, a little bit more serious. And I know like I used to be one of those like, go, 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 sleep when I'm dead types. I mean, it was definitely partially out of survival um, just to like make sure that I was able to get through this program and able to pay the bills. And I really have COVID to thank. Actually, it was the first time in my life that I had not been working not been going to school. I hadn't been home in a bit. And I was just kind of like, didn't go so well at first. Yeah. Did not like, did not know how to enjoy the free time and how to just like be hobbies. What? So, you know, I started slowly getting back into gardening and I started going for more hikes and then it became, you know, this stuff just became part of my daily routine. And I was just, wow. Like, it was so, so gratifying, almost grateful for the two plus months that I had to spend in isolation because I just got to sit in a garden with my books and just be. I didn't have anywhere to go, didn't have anyone to see, I didn't have any deadlines. And it just kind of made me realize that like it was a it was like wake up call number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or maybe no wake up call number like <laughs> <laughs> five, six for me, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like it was really this whole thing. And I kept getting like, oh, you're home. Like, stop writing it. These little downloads. I was like, no. Yeah. Like that's naysaying myself. But like really it was no, like you're home. You actually if you stay here and build your practice the way that you've kind of been slowly working on. You can be fulfilled as a human and not be caught up in the nine to five rat race. And I was so thankful for the opportunity that was given to me. It looked like it was going to be a hell of a time. It's just the timing wasn't right. And I have to say, if it wasn't for this whole past year, I don't think I would have ever really like, I don't think I would have ever come to that realization. I can totally relate to everything you're saying because same thing as as my situation. Um, I was much like you. I did not take a breath. I didn't. I I had my sports. I played my, you know, I had those things because they were part of me, but I worked myself to the bone and I took pride in it. I wore this, the badge of honor of stress. Um, I was like you for a lot of times. I, I had to do what I had to do to get to where I wanted to go. And of course, there is parts in your life where you have to hustle. I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, well, you know, Gina, there are times when you had to work hard because there are, there are times, there are seasons, but it should not be our way of living. Yeah, absolutely. There is a necessity to working hard and like putting your mind to things, but it also has to be done in a mindful sense. You have to be very aware of what you're doing. You have to know your own breaking points because if you don't listen to your body, your body will sit you down and force you to listen. Oh, well, and we both, I think we both have had this situation, which is kind of cool. I don't want to use the word cool, but 
I believe, and I always look for the lessons because if we, if we stay stuck on the situation and if I focus all my attention and said, oh my God, poor me, this is my life, then I would never be able to move forward. So I look at that situation and I look back and I look at the warning signs that I had, man, oh man, like I was taking sucker punches left, right and center and was like dusting myself off. Oh, that's okay. I got this. I got this until my body was like, hell no, Gina, you are not listening. And same with you. And I feel that in general, even for the people who are listening, we all have these warning signs. Like if you are exhausted and you are listening to this podcast, yes, I'm talking to you. You need a break. Yeah, you do. Take the mental health day, slow down, say no to that thing that you don't want to do. Go for a hike. The dishes can wait. You know, like we put this pressure on ourselves to perform based on standards of somebody else. And then our souls get sucked out of us. And then we wonder why we're not feeling like ourselves, why we don't feel fulfilled. But if you're not, if you're all day long, if you're giving, 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 and you're putting nothing back in, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. What do you expect to come out of a teacup that's bottomed out? Exactly. If you keep pouring water in the hole in the, the cup and it still has a hole, doesn't matter how much water, it's going to still be empty. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's just like you're just dropping truth bombs left, right, and center there. I'm just so passionate. I know you are too. Like these conversations need to be not just on a podcast, but these conversations need to be happening top up. Like when are we going to wake up and see the systemic problems that are at hand? When are we going to wake up and you want to talk money? Okay, let's talk money. You want to save money, take care of your people. You want to save money, take care of health. And then you will see the end result come to much more than what you ever thought it would be. You know, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love your soapbox because everything you're saying is so, so true. And so like, you know, you're looking at say the cost of healthcare and how much it costs to say like rehabilitate illnesses. And again, like the same in the same vein with say prisons, they're doing a lot of the same research and it's showing it's way more expensive to keep people in prison than it is to say, get into the communities early, start these like reintervention, rehabilitation programs. Things don't have to be this way and there's research to prove it. But, you know, we are kind of caught in a wheel. And so this kind of stuff, it starts at home. You know, we have to have these discussions about why living mindfully and living gracefully is so important. Um, there was actually a really great episode on, um, on Dr. Hyman's podcast, the doctor's pharmacy with Goldie Hawn. And she has the mind up program. I don't know about this. Oh, Oh girl, go listen. And it was the cutest thing because there's also this moment where like Mark Hyman totally fans out over Goldie Hawn and it's the cutest thing. Um, but yeah, he's an integrative medicine, like a functional medicine practitioner, and he does all kinds of amazing work. And so he recently did an episode with Goldie Hawn, who talks about the importance of, you know, mindfulness in childhood. And uh, yeah, look it up. It's the it's the Mind Up program. Okay. And the episode on it is just incredible. And they really talk about the uh, the mindfulness interventions that they've done in classrooms and how the kids, you know, they'll kind of go home and be like, oh, wow, mom and dad, you need a brain break. But the kids know. And I will, like when I was teaching, I was integrating what I was learning with my kids and they love it. And the resilience that we're teaching them, it, it's, it's a gift that I wish that I had when I was younger. 
I guarantee you, I would not have had the struggles that I've had today if I if I learned these earlier. Um, but back to that show for our listeners, if you're wondering about it, I will put it in the show notes. So if you're listening, pop in the show notes and you can check that out. Um, but something that you did say there also triggered, I don't understand um, as an educated society, because we've been, we've never had this kind of knowledge at our fingertips. In so many ways, we are so blessed, but we are still reactive. Absolutely. Instead of proactive, like when are we going, like, we have the trends, we have the stats, we see where our healthcare is going, we see mental health, we see suicide rates, we see all of these statistics that are pointing us very clearly in the direction that we're going, but we're not being proactive. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, the kind of interesting thing about like what we do as naturopathic doctors, because um, people actually come to us as their last resort, but it's really like, no, I feel like we know we've got it all wrong. Uh, I am in no way anti-conventional medicine. I think conventional medicine absolutely rules. Um, we wouldn't be where we are where we are today, but you know, there's a time and a place. And I think that we should be using naturopathic medicine a little bit more proactively rather than reactively, and vice versa. And so, I think a lot of that also, you know, permeates into our culture. We have such a highly, you know, we get instant gratification, what we want, we have it delivered to our door in seconds. And so it does take away from being able to see outside of that. Um, and so, you know, we kind of expect that like everything is going to, you know, we order something on Amazon, it shows up maybe sometimes even that day. That day, I know, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't dabble in the, uh, in the Amazon, still a little bit freaked out by that whole thing. Um, <laughs> But I've seen it happen, like somebody ordering something one night and waking up to it on their doorstep. So it really speaks that like we don't, we're not trained in ways to, I guess, to work for things. And this kind of society that we dream of, it takes work. I agree. Uh, the kind of healthcare that, you know, we want, it takes work. There have been a lot of people who will come into me and look at me after I, you know, tell them what they have to do in terms of like, sometimes it might be a little bit more intense. We may have to go full elimination diet in order to figure out what the trigger at hand is. And so I'll have some patients look at me and be like, I can't do that. I'm like, uh, well, not with that attitude. Exactly. Right. And so then, you know, we do spend a lot of time working with their mindset just as much because, oh, I'll never forget it. One girl looks at me, she's like, you can't take bread away from a bay girl. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, like, you're right. I can't. I can only suggest it. So, again, is like a lot of what we do as well as like doctors, teachers. So, I provide you with all of the information the good, the bad, the ugly, everything about the treatments that we're going to do, what, what you're going to react to, if you're going to react, what the likelihood of the reaction is. And a lot of it too, you know, we have to, you talk about doing elimination diets. There's a lot of elimination of gluten, dairy, and sugar. I don't enjoy telling people <laughs> I had to do it. I know how painful it is. And I had to do that like 10, 12 years ago. Like, when there wasn't even any options. <laughs> right? I'm kidding. I'm actually way more compassionate with them yeah. than that. But it's, you know, there's, there's sometimes like, I, I feel, I do feel bad because I know how difficult it is, but it's like you you have to make the decision. And of course, it's about making the small steps and the small changes. 
And eventually, you know, you've made so many, you've changed, you know, you've added in two different vegetables a week and you've done that for three weeks and you found out that there's two new vegetables that you don't really like, but that's okay. In three weeks, you added four new vegetables. Exactly. And then like, that's, that's huge. That's amazing. When, you know, you were just eating like pork chops and potatoes every day. Mm-hmm. The way, so, and also in all this, just cause my brain kind of goes to like big picture thing and those small steps that we take daily, if we apply that to any goal, that's how you achieve success. Any and every. Right. And we have, once again, this mentality of it needs to happen yesterday. And I feel that because of that, and because everything is so instant around us, like we don't even need to go into a grocery store if we don't want to, we can have them delivered at our door. We have skipped the dishes. Like everything has been made so easy for us, which I'm not knocking because some days skip the dishes. Hallelujah. Love it. Right. (laughs) But if we want that change going big, like this go big or go home, which I do go big. But if you had that mentality and you try to do everything all at once, you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, 100%. It's you go in, you're being like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, you fall off a little bit one day and just, you know, it's, it falls off more gradually than you built it up. Exactly. You get so hard on yourself. Yeah. So you see people going in, they're like, I'm going to do this Monday diet, like salad, smoothies, the whole shebang. And then they have deprived, and there's a whole reason for this too. Now they've deprived themselves from carbs for the whole day and they get to the evening and their microbiome, not ready for this change yet. Oh my God. Exactly. So these little guys in your stomach are just here like, all right, yo, why do you hate me? Why are you not feeding me? They start crying out for the sugar. You start hating yourself for not eating the sugar. War ensues, cortisol spikes, worse blood sugar dysregulation. It's an entire war inside your body, which is exactly what you were trying to avoid in the first place. And if you think about it, and this is going to be a weird analogy, I understand that. But if you think about even our seasons, we don't go from a beautiful, hot, sunny day to snow the next day. Our bodies cannot handle that. So if you think about your goals in the same way as you do as a season, you have baby steps. We are eased into it. The temperature slowly goes down and gives yourself that that time to adjust to a new period before you move on to the next. And I feel like technology and everything has kind of sped that up. But if you just go back to nature and you take a look at how things work, how things grow, how things like they got it down. Like if we just paid attention to the things that really matter, we could learn so much about goal setting, about taking care of ourselves, about honoring our shit, where we are, the messy, like all of it, right? <laughs> it's so funny you bring up the analogy of seasons because actually I just did a talk with another group of girls a couple of nights ago, but we were talking about how there's like four stages of your period um, or sorry, four stages of your menstrual cycle. Yeah. And how that very much is like seasonal changes. We have our own internal summer, spring, fall, and winter. And if we listen to the cues and kind of do what our bodies are kind of supposed to do. So when we're closer to menstruating, understanding that we need to take a little bit more rest, that we're not going to really necessarily be able to do that hit workout like we would when we're ovulating. Understanding that those seasons outside, they're just like seasons in our bodies. And we have to honor all of those. Yes, absolutely. And it's so important in the, I guess, in the pursuit of trying to reach goals, we forget that there's a process. 
we forget that every day our energy might not be the same. And it's not that you quit on your goals, but you adapt. You go by how you feel. Pushing through doesn't have to be your norm. Uh, pushing through all the time doesn't have to be the way that you execute your goals, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so like honoring those seasons and being patient with yourself as you build those changes and knowing that none of this happens linearly and like knowing that there's going to be mountains and there's going to be valleys and being aware of how your body responds to everything around you, as well as how your mind responds to these things and how they interact with each other. And so being so in tune with yourself while you make those tiny steps is really, really important as well, because then you know what's, what's having its effect, what's doing yeah. the thing, what's good for me, what's bad for me. I love that. And, and like you say, it's, it's honoring every different level that you're at and understanding your body where you are. But I think that what happens, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel what happens is when people get uncomfortable, they're like, oh, hell no. How can I make myself comfortable again? So they don't allow themselves to get uncomfortable and say, well, why do I feel this way? What is that trigger that's making me feel uncomfortable right now? What's holding me back? What thoughts am I thinking right now that are keeping me stuck, right? It's like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Ah, Go back into your turtle shell. Let me go to Amazon. Let me do these things. I just want to feel comfy again. But it's like embracing the hard, embracing the suck, embracing this period of uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, that's where the growth happens if you let it. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. And I mean, that's even true on a cellular level. So um, I actually just finished rereading uh, Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief. Oh, that's a great read. Have you read it yet? I read parts of it, but now you just encouraged me to read read the whole thing. (laughs) It's pretty like it's pretty cell biology heavy. So I mean, like, go for it. But I'm I can see how it's a little, it's heavy. I can see where it loses its spark, but you know, he's talking about all of these like neural connections and those neural connections are made when you're uncomfortable. Like that's them kind of getting together. That's what's happening in your brain when you're like, Oh God, I can't play this song anymore. It like my fingers literally can't do it, but like, Oh, and it's like when you push, just push a little bit more. So there's a whole like cycle of, of neurotransmitters that are released when you're building a habit. And so there, after you kind of like get through the easy part of like, oh yeah, look at me, I did it. You get your dopamine surge, but then that goes away. And then it's just like, oh, well now I just have to do it. And when you push through that, that's what builds those connections. So it's happening inside your body. It's happening inside your brain. That discomfort is literally where the, where the change is happening on a cellular level. Like, and that's incredible. And the, the cool thing is, is that we are not even using our brains to its fullest capacity. And when you do something, and so this is one of the other things that I guess is a downfall of you staying in your comfort zone. If you are doing the same thing over and over, there are legit pieces of your brain or, or parts of your brain that you are not activating. So if your brain is not being fully activated, of course, you're going to feel off balance, right? And back to the, on a cellular level too, like if you think you go to the gym, what do you think is happening when you're lifting weights? What do you think is happening when you're rowing? You are challenging your muscles, you're breaking down your muscles so that they can build enough to be stronger. So it's the same thing with your mindset. It's the same thing with your goals. It's the same thing with your food. Like 
it's all a mindset shift. It really it is. is. Yeah. I mean, mindset is very much a big, big part of it. A lot of it is at the base of it. It does play into everything else. You know, once you get your nutrition levels up, then you actually end up having the energy to roll forth with those things. Once you correct those hormonal imbalances and you start getting your energy back, you know, you just see how things start. So it very much, it like all just, it all so neatly ties into each other to kind of create one big thing. And so that's kind of, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, we get to really, really look at the science of health from such a great perspective. I love being able to kind of step outside the box and like really be like, okay, so like, what is, what is the mechanism at play here? And how can I get, how can I take this little cofactor key and where, where is it being inhibited? And it's so, it's really for someone who did not like science, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) You've kind of turned the other way. (laughs) Oh man. Well, it saved, honestly, the idea just like, we are all little miracles. It saved Mm -hmm. my life. Honestly, the fact that like we're here, so much can literally genetically go wrong before you're like even a known pregnancy before you're even born. So just knowing what happens again on that genetic, on that cellular level that our bodies are, do you have a hundreds, billions and millions of trillions of cells and all they care about is you. Yeah. We're, and we're missing the mark. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> we are not giving that love back to them. And so it's, it shows when they turn on us. I agree. Oh, there's just so much wisdom there. And I love the whole connectivity of every different piece. And I feel that from a natural path perspective, and like you said, there is definitely 100% a beautiful space for um, uh, other forms of medicine. Don't get me wrong, but I do feel that if we paid more attention um, to the things that we could do naturally before we go to that next step, I think you would see a huge improvement. Um, And once again, I dies for a bag of sour cream onion ruffles chips. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I do. They're my fave, but I notice a difference. Um, my mindset, my everything, my whole mental health, my body, how much energy I have when I fuel my body properly. What kind of food do I love? I, you will not meet somebody who gets more excited over food than me. So if I can take control and find a way, you can too. But it just, it's all connected. And I feel that one of the best things that you can do to start that mental health journey is to control what you're putting in your body and around your body. Yeah, absolutely. Control, be in control of what you're ingesting in the ears, in the eyes, in the mouth, in your space. And you would be surprised. You'll be pleasantly surprised at what smiles back at you. Oh, I love that. What smiles back at you? Um, I'm going to change the direction of the conversation a little bit, but throughout, uh, sorry, I could talk to you (laughs) like all freaking day. Um, Out of all of the, I guess, ups and downs and trials and tribulations, what has been one of the biggest lessons that you've had to learn in your journey? Oh, wow. There's so, like, there's so many. Everything, everything has been such a lesson. Um, so, I mean, obviously first and foremost, that if I didn't take care of my body, (laughs) it was going to make sure I did. Um, but I think like not really listening to what anybody has to say. Um, 
I remember. So my first year I spent, I like failed out of everything so spectacularly that they told me like the administrative team was like, we, like, we haven't really seen somebody bounce back like from this. So I was kind of like, you know, I was in my mid twenties and I was just starting like a really science heavy program and it was full time. Um, and I was struggling to keep up like a, no, no. So I kind of begged and pleaded. I was like, please let me go part-time. Like, please, please. I think they let me do it pretty begrudgingly. But everything, like, and everything changed. Once I went part-time, I had time to digest the material in my way, in my own learning style. Once I actually learned how to study all, I just like, I, I kept surprising people over and over and people were like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe that your grades are so good. Or like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're so smart. I'm like, <laughs> throw a punch. No. <laughs> like, why would you say that to somebody? It's like literally looking at me and be like, I never thought that you could do this. Yeah. And I mean, it may not have like been meant that way, but I was certainly sensitive to that given of course. even before I started, people were like, you want to go to like med school? Okay. Like, have you all seen Legally Blonde? Yes. <laughs> and she like, I think I'm going to go to law school. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of joke around that it like, oh, I, love it. <laughs> I joke around that it was very much a similar scenario. Not at all because it was actually calculated. And I, I know like, you weren't following a boy. <laughs> it was running away from one. <laughs> doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It was just, I, I, it was just a lot of like pushing through the naysaying and just listening to my own intuition and just, just pushing through the shit and knowing that I was like meant to be in that yeah. space. And also that I was worthy of the space that I occupied. Um, I think like with the social sciences background and also just like having my own like mental health and like not, and like still working in a bar and stuff. I think a lot of my classmates didn't really like take me seriously. And I think that if I like wasn't working so much and I had an opportunity to get to know them better and I'm not to say I didn't have great friends in school because I found, I absolutely found my group of humans who are amazing. I love them so much. We're still in touch, but I did have to work to find those people. Um, and so like really just kind of like pushing through everything, the negativity and like the feelings that I had that I wasn't worthy of the space. There was so much imposter syndrome that like, I did not believe I had like spent a week after graduation waiting for someone to call me and be like, uh, actually we found out they were a huge fraud. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you overcome the imposter syndrome? Because I guarantee you, people who are listening right now can totally resonate with that. I feel like of all the clients that I have, it's the number one thing that's holding them back. They don't feel worthy. They feel like a fraud. How did you push through it? And what advice would you give the listeners to get past their imposter syndrome? Uh, what I'm doing right now, faking it till I make it. <laughs> <laughs> just keep no. showing up, man. That's just it. Keep showing up and like yeah. just kind of realizing that like somewhere somebody is doing what you want to do with like probably a quarter of the expertise because they believe that they can do it. So um understand that you are worthy of the space that you occupy. Chase your dreams. Do like do the work because doing the work is gonna attract things that come to you. It's going to shift your vibration. 
it's going to make you, it's going to open your eyes to the opportunities that are around you. And I think that's kind of been one of the biggest things um, that we've all had to learn about COVID is how to shift our own vibrations, to adapt our businesses, to adapt our life goals, and to kind of figure out how we were going to bounce back from all of this. And so if we didn't have things previously in place, so like what I learned from the first lockdown to the second lockdown we had was that I had really worked hard to like cultivate a routine. Um, I worked hard to cultivate space with myself, um, to do a lot of inner shadow work to see like, not just what I wanted out of my life, but like what I wanted from my business and ultimately like my goals when it came to how I saw this happening in the long run. And so pre COVID goals and post COVID goals, they both looked super, super, super different, but it was the work that I had put in that made the post COVID goal so attainable. And it was the work that I did while things were good. And then they had gotten hard when I was like, Oh no, what do I do? What do I do? And so it was the work that I did when I felt good, when I felt positive that helped me feel grounded enough to make the decisions, the hard decisions Yeah, that I needed to make. And I think that's so many things spot on there, but it's the work that we do when everything is fine that helps us prepare for the moments that aren't, you know, and it comes down to consistency. Like, what are you doing consistently that is going to help you when things get hard? What are you doing consistently to help you be the version of the person that you want to be, right? And back to the worthy piece, I find what people do in their minds is they say, well, I'll feel worthy when I achieve this. I will feel worthy when I do this. And as long as you're waiting to feel worthy, you will never get to a place of that worthiness. No, never. So define your own criteria for worthy. You are worthy just as you are. You don't need to do anything to, to earn it, to be it. You already are worthy. And if you keep showing up with that mentality and reminding yourself when your ego tries to come in and tell you and whisper, oh, no, you're not, you tell it where to go. And you say, yeah, I am worthy. And keep doing the routines that challenge your mindset and keep doing the routines that is going to set you up to move you towards your goals, not away from them. Yeah. Wow. Well, like, I mean, you know, some days it's harder than other days to actually like get up and push through it and to actually like realize how worthy I am in that space. But the thing is, I went through the same program. I performed academically just as well. I mean, after that first year, (laughs) (laughs) I performed just as well academically with my peers. I, you know, I passed the same board exams. And so on that, like on paper, Yes. But on top of that, too, it's so much more. It's the things that I have overcome to get here. It's everything that like the work that I've done to get here, both academically, both on myself, spiritually, emotionally. It's, you know, the work that I do physically when I eat well for myself when I cook a good meal. It's everything that happens in between. It's everything that happens in between those patient visits. It's everything that happens between the social media posts everything that I do for me in between all of that stuff that allows me to do that to my best ability. And man, I I gotta say like on top of having the most amazing patients in the world who like inspire me to keep going, I do it for the girl who like was told she was never going to be well again. 
Now look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I can't imagine, like, oh, sorry, this gets me super emotional. But, like, I can't imagine how many people are told that, like, I see it in office all the time. Like, it's normal. You're a woman. Your periods are supposed to be horrible. Oh, yeah, that's just IBS. Like, you're going to just, it's just, you're going to be pain when you eat sometimes. And just the amount of people that are told that, like, their bodies just, you know, oh, this pain is normal. And it's not like, it's not at all. And there's obviously there's something wrong. There's something that we can do to fix it. So let's explore it. But it's just so hard because most people don't even know that they have that option. They're just condemned to the sentence of pain. Yeah. Oh, I get emotional watching you get emotional because it's so true. And I think that that's your why that's the thing that keeps pushing you to show up is for the service of the people who may not have a voice who may not be at a point where they can do what you did you are being that voice for people who think oh i just have to live in pain and we both are driven with that passion to help people and i think that's such a beautiful gift so thank you for being yourself for being this light for people and for not listening to that bleep, I'll say, (laughs) that told you this is going to be your life and you're going to be in pain forever. So I think the lesson, if you're listening to this too, is ask the questions, ask to be better, prove the people in your life that you can do what you want. Obviously, there are some restrictions that you, you know, that are going to be challenging or that you may not be able to overcome, but there's always a different way that you can look at it and that you can challenge the norm and challenge the conversations around you and take back your control in any way that you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's actually one cool thing I've seen come out of COVID as well is like I'm seeing patients like ask very, like ask really intense questions. And so people are learning a lot about informed consent through this whole process. And so I think it's really cool as a like global, like globally that there are good things coming from this. And I think one of the things is that we, people are becoming like more aware of their autonomy within the medical system. Now, I mean, some people take that to an extreme and go like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've seen, we've seen some fun stuff happening in the streets, but I think, you know, there's a healthy balance when it comes to asking those questions, um, you know, and wanting to know what the safety profiles of certain things are. And so it's, it's really, really cool to see that, you know, these questions are being asked. And I have like a couple of patients in particular who like, their questions that they ask me and the things that they're, you know, pushing their doctors to do, they are so inspiring because it's also really hard to push against an authority. And like, I recognize that as a doctor and like dealing with other doctors can be difficult because you feel like you can't really question that like level of authority. I mean, like Karen's going to come at me with her Google research. I'm going to like you know, kindly ask her to sit down, but there are people who do have a certain, you know, lived experience who have done a certain amount of research who do have very legitimate questions. And so I think, um, you know, that's just so inspiring to see that there are people really, really, really pushing for their health out there. And, you know, I'm taking cues and I'm learning from these people and I'm sharing that information with other patients. Like, Oh, I had a patient who like, these were her magic words. So maybe this will work for you. And if I can write a letter, let me know. But yeah, just like really, really, really pushing to have that autonomy in general in healthcare. 
I love it. And I love that you said people being comfortable questioning these authority positions. And I think that we have a bigger problem if we don't question what we've always done, because if we keep doing the same things over and over, we miss out on the opportunity for growth. And I think educated questioning, not like you say, like someone who just out to prove you wrong or want to say something because their feelings were hurt. That's, that's one thing, but to have educated discussions and question things, I think it's healthy. And I think we, especially everything that's given, like as we're doing this interview, everything that's arising, we should be questioning things. We should be looking at systems that are not functioning in humane ways. Like we are not doing our job as human beings if we're not questioning the things that are happening around us and just falling in suit and doing what society tells us to do. It puts you in a box. Like we are, we were given these beautiful brains for a reason. We were given different perspectives for a reason. We were given all of our situations for a reason. And if we want that collective humaneness to continue to rise, we have to be having the conversations with different people and having those hard conversations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just hard, it's hard conversations about everything from, you know, why things are the way they are in the world, why things the way are the way they are in the medical system. I mean, like women in medicine as patients have faced so much bias and discrimination and it's been even worse again for women of color. So we have to look at a lot of the research that's coming out and ask, like all this stuff was done on primarily on, you know, white men as the test subject. So we have to ask, like, why doesn't this apply to me? The fact that like seatbelt testing was done only on men. They didn't account for the different women's anatomy. So women actually have a different risk of dying with seatbelts. Women experience heart attacks differently. So it's really about knowing how medicine benefits you or does not benefit you and asking the hard questions to figure out like why you need to be concerned and if we need to do more. Absolutely. And like you say, in every area of life, like our systems were created such a long time ago and so many things have changed. Our school system, our nurse, our healthcare system, uh, just so many different systems. I mean, I don't want to start listing with the fear of, of missing some, <laughs> um, but our, our systems that we are living in current reality are old systems that are no longer serving us as human beings. And if we keep trying to make change with old and outdated systems, we're never going to have the change where equality is at the forefront. And it's about time. You know, I think that we need to keep asking the questions in all areas and really having the difficult conversations until things change. We really, really do. And I think that, you know, what you said there about the structures that we've created are outdated to the times that we're living in. We really, really do need to readdress that and see what we can do to make that collective shift. And I think overall, it's, it's starting to happen. This stuff doesn't happen overnight, you know? True. There's a lot of work that like, you know, just like doing the personal work on a global level, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to shift those perspectives. And, you know, that's how we just, we keep doing the best we can. We can't keep living authentically. We keep living with kindness. We teach our younger generations to do the same. Uh, We keep standing up for injustices and teach our younger generations to do the same. And I think that eventually this kind of stuff will truly trickle down and 
maybe hopefully in our lifetimes, maybe we'll see some really significant positive changes, but absolutely. And as we look back, there has been, like you say, so many improvements. We still have a long way to go, um, but it's a collective issue that we all need to be working on. And if you are listening and you're not doing your part and you're not questioning and you're just following status quo, this is a little bit of encouragement for you to start looking around and asking yourself, like, what do you believe in? What do you stand for? And what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your kid's legacy to be? And really have those tough conversations with yourself and then with your family to be the best that you can be. 100%. I could not say it any better myself. <laughs> so I think we'll wrap up that part there. We covered <laughs> so much. I had so many more questions to ask you. We're going to have to do a part two. I um, think we might. <laughs> <laughs> so many things that I could talk to you about. So this part of the podcast, as you know, is rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a series of fun, silly questions to bring the fun back. And uh, you have to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Are you ready? (laughs) I feel like I need to get some music in there. Like, oh my God, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to work on that. (laughs) Have a little dance before the game starts. I love love it. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? Uh, It used to be Baby, but it's evolved into Scary Spice. I think I I just got always, look, I got always pegged for Baby. You know, it's like the blonde hair and the blue eyes. (laughs) I was always sporty, always. Still am, I think. Um, (laughs) Nachos or tacos? Oh, tacos. You could crap on a tortilla shell and I would eat it. (laughs) That has been the best response I've ever gotten for that question. I'm so obsessed with tacos. See, I'm a nacho girl. Fair. I mean, nachos are equally delicious, yeah. but it. <sighs> but I do die for a good fish taco. So <laughs> <laughs> a nickname you used to have or you still have. Uh, Schmarin. I want to know more about that. <laughs> Schmarin. Uh, I was like just a little baby hanging out with a bunch of like my friends were all a lot older. And every time I did like something really dumb while I was like drinking, they'd be like, oh, Schmarin. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, where would you go? Ooh, I think I'd like to experience the nineties as like a teenager plus. Ah, yes. Like I was alive in the nineties, but like, and it seemed like it looked like it was a ball in time, but I just think I was not quite old enough. enough. Well, that's fair. That's fair. So this next question is going to be the determining factor of if we stay friends. Who's your favorite Harry Potter character? Uh, Hermione's a baddie. Oh, thank girl. God you knew the answer to that question. <laughs> Brains and booty. Oh, I'm so glad you answered. Most people have not watched Harry Potter and I am baffled by it. What's your go-to order from your favorite restaurant? Oh boy. Um, probably every taco they have at Adelaide. Oh, good choice. Tacos. <laughs> I love it. What's your biggest guilty pleasure? That's such a good question. I don't know. I don't really view any of my pleasures as guilty. I've kind of like started like shifting the adaptation to like, I don't know if I like it. I like it. Um, so what's your biggest? I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm a sucker for chocolate. I've got lots of ice cream in my fridge right now I love it and I'm not guilty for it (laughs) excellent well played well played what's your go-to pump me up song if you need to get your mood up that's another tough one um 
There is a song that I've been really loving lately by it's called it's by a band called Sorority Noise and it's called Using. Um, that has been really like firing me up lately. But I love so much. Like it could be Cardi B. It could be some like filthy techno. It could be some like cute little like '90s R&B jams. I like. I love. It. I love. At, like I love music. I can't. I can't pick just one. So any music is your like music is your thing that's going to yeah. get you out of a funk. I love it. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Napping. <laughs> yes. I nap competitively. Ah, well done. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh. Um, I think I should like double myself, clone myself, have a second one of me um, so that I can nap (laughs) and be my new superpower now I think I like that (laughs) Uh, yeah I think I I think I would want a second one of me that I can just like like send out into the world when I don't feel like don't want to do it (laughs) um texting or talking talking 100% morning or night person Ooh, a little bit of both uh I used to be a night owl but I'm starting to come around to the mornings Uh, nice so I I love them both a little bit of both uh describe yourself in three words I had to call in a friend's help for this one. Oh, <laughs> and what did you come up uh, with? So the ones that she picked out were uh, that resonated with me were adventurous, mm. caring, uh, and fun. I love fun, 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 fun. If you were stranded on a tropical island and you had sunscreen, you had sunglasses and all the essentials, what are two things that you would want to take with you? My headphones and a journal. Mm, good point. I like that. Um, climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, climb a mountain. <laughs> what makes you laugh no matter what? It's pretty easy to make me laugh. It, I'm not going to lie. Like really <laughs> just like dumb anything. jokes, like anything. I, I'm a giggler. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. If you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Absolutely not. Actually, maybe. If you were, I feel like no, because I get so like cranky when I'm really yeah. hungry. Like, I don't eat that. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it was like do or die, then yes. Then you would. Um, spontaneous or planner? Organized chaos. Oh, perfect. <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. Nice. Sure. I want to know what's going on between those I two ears. I know I'd love to be able to speak to my dog. Um, a little bit more serious, but what's the best piece of advice you have ever gotten that you wish you knew earlier in life? Hmm. Probably that you cannot pour from an empty cup. Um, big lesson there about running yourself dry that I think if I had known a lot younger, I probably could have avoided some pretty dire situations. But then again, I probably wouldn't be here. So yeah. Still stands though. <laughs> Still stands. No, I get it. I totally get it for sure. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. And I want our listeners to be able to find you on the web. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Aaron W. ND, uh, same tag on Facebook. Uh, I'm practicing at a clinic in Mount Pearl called Align Chiropractic and Wellness. Uh, I'm also in Clarenville one day a week, Wednesdays at uh, Back in Sync Wellness Center. It's on Memorial Drive out there. Um, I'm a little bit more active on Instagram. And of course, as well, I have my website, uh, DrAaronWoolridge.com. 
Um, I've been a little bit slow on updating my blog because I just moved into my new space, but, uh, there's, I've got some stuff that I've been working on, on the back burner, hopefully have some wellness courses up and on the go soon. I'm kind of working on slowly building the content. So now it's kind of just a matter of formatting and stuff. So those will be available for folks who aren't ready to take the full naturopathic plunge, but still want to learn more about like how to eat better and whatnot. So that will be coming up eventually. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm probably like the most active on Instagram. Awesome. And you put out so much awesome content. So do yourselves a favor. As soon as this is over, go and follow her. You will not be disappointed. And thank you so much for being here. But before I do let you go, do you have one last gold nugget to share with our listeners that can maybe leave a pep in their step as they go about their day? Um, yeah, I mean, like you are definitely worthy of the space that you occupy. Um, but I actually just really wanted to thank you because this has been like just so much fun. Um, and I've been listening to this podcast since it started and it was right around the time that I decided that I was going to stay home. And it was just so amazing to hear all these voices of local entrepreneurs that like, I listened to a lot of like, and I guess the self-help, self-betterment, whatever podcasts. And it's just so incredible to like have returned home. I didn't really like still like with COVID trying to figure out like what's available, what's out there. And just like giving this space for us to hear like how people locally are dealing and like joining just this this community of super cool entrepreneurs. (laughs) Like, thank you so much for just giving this space to me and to all of the other incredible people. You rule so hard. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Um, I just want to help people. And if me talking to amazing people does a benefit for other people, then it's totally worth it. So thank you. And thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. You truly are amazing. And I'm just so grateful that our paths have crossed. Oh, likewise. Well, thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and thank you for keeping it real. Do you struggle with limiting thoughts yourself? Maybe you are experiencing the imposter syndrome where you don't believe in yourself and your business and your negative reel is really holding you back. If so, I have a free resource for you. Head to the show notes and click on the link to get it. I promise you it will help you and therefore will help your business as well. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for being here. And if you haven't left a five-star review, please do so. I would really, really appreciate it. And if you or someone you know would love to be a guest on the Keeping Real podcast, check out the show notes as well and let's get you on the show. Hope you have the best day and thanks for keeping it real.